Welcome to Trail Manners, the podcast so dedicated to mountain trails and running that they broadcast out of a 78 Volkswagen bus in the mountains. Who does that? Eric and Joel are your hosts and will bring you the trail life as you may have not heard it before. You hear about everything from gear reviews, nutrition to keep you upright and moving forward, and they'll even bring guests into the bus for conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. It's time for some running adventures on a higher elevation. The old 78 Volkswagen bus is fired up and headed to the mountains. Here are your hosts for Trail Manners, proudly representing the 801 with their passion and love for the trails, Eric Manning and Joel Hatch. Welcome to the Trail Manners Podcast, episode number 56. Today, we are talking with Mr. Speed Goat, Carl Meltzer, and make sure you listen all the way to the very end. There's two contests involved with this with some great prizes, so don't forget about that. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The Trail Manners Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at trailmanners.com. Come back often, and please feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Trail Manners. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get after it. All right, we are back with the Trail Manners podcast. We are on location. Studio 78, as you know, is having some problems with the gas tank, which many of us have in any type of running or racing or daily activities. And Joel still got some time off there. We're giving him away from the show. But we are on location at the Speed Goat Croquet Grounds. Am I got that right? You got that right. The Speed Goat Venue. Uh, this is where I take all my buddies' money at a dollar at a time and uh, <laughs> make everybody laugh. <laughs> well, it's it's awesome. So, you know, Carl's been doing the this, this circuit. We're with Carl Meltzer, obviously. He's been doing the circuit, right? And so he's been on podcasts, interviews, everything else. I, I pull up. I'm hanging out, and he's talking to the New York Times. So, I mean, we, we fit in there somewhere to get in this list here. Yeah, every once in a while, you get one of those big newspapers to come out. So, uh, yeah, I was on the line for about an hour and a half just doing a, an article about uh, ultra running. And not not necessarily that, but really about the mindset of ultra running, too, and the mindset of just life itself. Oh, nice. So it wasn't really all just about the Appalachian Trail, but uh, they wanted to know what runs in my head. And uh, I'm not sure what runs in my head all the time, but uh, <laughs> it's it's cool to have all this stuff. I've been super busy the last three weeks doing interviews. Probably I've probably done, I don't know, at least 50 wow. probably in the last three weeks. So. It's been busy. I mean, it's it's a job, I suppose. Um, it's calming down. I have a few more next week, but after that's over, um, I plan to play a little more golf and take some more money from my buddies. Nice before the before the good weather or the bad weather hits, I guess. No, when bad weather hits, we play croquet in the snow. So it's uh, that never ends. <laughs> that's a never <laughs> ending. Okay. Yeah, and, and the croquet grounds. There's sand traps. There's rough. There's rocks. There's mounds. Even a horseshoe pit. We got a vegetable garden. This is like the place to snack and play. Right, right I mean, we yard. even have bleachers, so uh, <laughs> you know we're sitting on them right now. We so are. Yeah. So we it's the... pretty entertaining and lit up at night as well. So, I mean, you've been doing the rounds, and I'm, I'm assuming, and because I've listened to a lot of them, I've been focused on the uh, Appalachian Trail, the FKT you did. And for those that maybe you're living under a rock um, that aren't familiar, started it August 3rd, went through September 18th, 2190 right miles, 2190 mm-hmm. miles, 14 states. Record is 45 days, 22 hours, 38 seconds. 38 minutes? 38, yeah, 38 minutes, sorry. 45 days, 22 hours, 38 minutes. we got to get those in there as well. So you've, asked, you've been asked a lot of questions with this. We had our Facebook people post some to ask you as well. But let's just real quick, I know that's hard to do for what you did. Um, this was your third attempt on the trail. It was my third run at the AT. Uh, my first run was 2008, and that was kind of a... Kind of not really on a whim, but we really didn't know too much about it. But we went after the record then, and I got injured after 14 days, so I ended up sitting in the in the RV that Backcountry.com had for me, and I waited it out, iced my shins, which was the problem, and then I continued and did finish the trail in 54 days, 21 hours, and I think 12 minutes, which still is a fast time on the AT, averaged about 40 miles a day that year, but. Uh, I kind of went back to racing after that, and then finally, again, I got the itch to get back to that nasty trail and went out in 2014. Uh, went with some buddies, funded it myself, um, failed. I bailed out after about 1,500 miles and drove home in my wonderful, inconspicuous white van. <laughs> and then, uh, and then again, we talked to Red Bull in 2015 in January and decided that we, if we do a little more recon and a little more research, get on the trail a little more, 
and, you know, just really make a more definitive plan that um, we'd go after it one more time in 2016, which I agreed would be the last year, although now I can say it'll be the last year because I got the record, but, um, you know, you never know at that time. But finally this year in 2016, we went after it and finally got the record, had the right crew, um, things clicked a lot better, and, uh, you know, now we're sitting here doing a podcast. Number like 51-ish. Yeah, number 51-ish <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. We've done a lot of interviews and podcasts. But uh, it's, it's cool to, to, for people to hear the story that haven't really heard it. And uh, it's quite a journey. Um, a lot of misery. You know, it's really 46 days of misery. It's not 46 days of running through the woods in pleasure. But uh, now that we're done, we can talk about it and tell the war stories all the time. Well, and you mentioned just a minute ago, you said, you know, the, the second attempt or whatever you failed, but I imagine the first two attempts were just basically setting you up for the success of the third, though, right? Well, just for sure. And I think you learn a lot. You certainly learn from your mistakes, and that's how my whole world goes. Um, I've always kind of learned the hard way with a lot of things, and, you know, the first time when I did it, when I did get injured, I knew I was off record pace. I would not break the record in 2008, but, but I wanted to finish the trail and learn more about it. So we did that, and, again, I learned a lot about how crewing shouldn't be in an RV. Um, it should be a little bit smaller, more stealth. Uh, less people is less is more, we'd like to say. Um, and that's, you know, you learn from making your mistakes. And 2014, it just didn't really work out. I wasn't in as good a shape. And uh, crew wasn't as solid as, as before. And not, no blame for anyone really there. It just didn't click as well. But this time we did more research again in the recon. We I did a lot of the trail with my crew um, in sections just to get it right. And lo and behold, it was... We got it right. Um, you know, again, after 19 days, I got injured this time, too, but I kind of worked through it. And uh, we were able to bang out an 85-mile day at the end and, you know, bang it out. So did you feel with, with the buildup from, like, 2008 till I mean, it's eight years' worth of planning and, and scoping and everything else. Did you ever feel, the, like, pressure? Um, you know, a lot of people ask if there was a lot of pressure on this one. I think there's only pressure um, on myself, I think. You know, when you go at something this big a couple of times, you're definitely putting it all out there. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit older. I'm an old 48-year-old, <laughs> old man at 48. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the bottom line is, is you don't have to move very fast on the AT, so it is possible to, to break a record like this. Is there real pressure? Um, again, like I said, just about myself. I really wanted to succeed this time. I think if I were to come home with my tail between my legs this time, I, I'd be bummed out, you know? I mean, all the time and that I've spent on it is... It's kind of exhausting. I mean, I drove back to the East Coast three times in the last 12 months, probably. Wow. Um, that's exhausting in itself. But at the same time, uh, this is one time where I really felt if I do the right thing beforehand with the recon and, and the training and not racing too much before the race, too, um, that I could go in healthy and then give it my best run at it. And this definitely was um, my best run at it. So give us a qu- an idea of coming in, you know, to the, the van or to your crew on a daily basis. I mean, what was kind of the, the process between you arriving and then you taking off the next morning? Right, and we can start in the morning. Uh, the whole goal was to get out of the van at 5 a.m., so which we did pretty much every day, uh, sometimes earlier. Um, and if it was after 5, it was 5.05, 5.07, pretty close. Uh, the idea is to get out by 5. So I would wake up at 4.15, 4.20 or something like that and uh, use the restroom, wherever that may be, and then... Uh, quick, easy breakfast, a little deal with my feet, and, and get out the trail and get going. And every time I came to the van, um, the sections would be anywhere between 6 miles and 20-mile legs. It really just depended on logistics. But they would have a small spread of food out for me. Um, you know, fluids, of course, some ultrogen recovery drink was something I drank every time. Uh, and, you know, I'd fill up my pouch, and I'd go. And, you know, pretty simple, sort of like just like an ultramarathon, nothing really different than 100. And then uh, the evening, the whole key was to get to the van at whatever said time, get your distance that you needed to do that day, and then uh, get to bed within a half an hour, which which wow. is pretty pretty quick. Um, a lot of days, we'll just say I finished at 8 o'clock. My goal would be to bed by 8.30. So when I did get to the van, my dad, who was crewing most of the time, he would have um, a little bin there, and I would clean my, basically from my knees down, clean my feet, make sure there are no blisters, take care of issues. Really didn't have hardly any blisters, so my feet weren't too much of a problem. I just kept them clean, and and uh, when that when that process was done, take about 10 minutes, uh, I would get in a lower chair, elevate my legs, ice my shins. And while I would ice my shins, Eric Bells, my crew master, he would, uh, dinner was already ready for me. He'd place dinner in my lap. I'd eat while I was icing my shins and go right to bed afterwards. And I was in bed pretty much every night within 30, 40 minutes probably. It was pretty quick and super efficient. And 
for something like this, for me, it was really important to sleep the maximum amount of hours possible. So that was the whole idea about getting to bed early. It would have been nice to sit around and have a beer or two or three, but I didn't. <laughs> I had one, but I didn't have more than that. I just, uh, I really was focused this year on just getting to sleep and and dealing with the next day one step at a time. So what kind of was your average? I mean, I know it changes throughout the day, and especially when you get near the end, but what would you say would your average time of sleep be per night? Uh, my average sleep tonight, or tonight, the average sleep every night was about seven and a half hours, wow. which is solid. I mean, yeah. some nights were six, um, and a few nights were longer. It really just depended on what time I finished, and the terrain would dictate really what time you finish. If it's smooth, if it was Shenandoah or Maryland, you finish a little earlier in 50 miles. If it was, you know, Pennsylvania or Maine or something like that, you never even get 50 miles in Maine. <laughs> but uh, but I would, you know, I would try to get done by 8, and that was really the goal. Um, I never would push myself to get done by 8, and the, again, the terrain would dictate it, but 7.5 was probably the average, which is which is enough for me. That's a lot of, that, that's a lot of sleep, though, you know, I mean, because you look at over a course of time, that's a lot of hours and days. Right, and you would think you would think you'd do more miles on the trail and you wouldn't get that much sleep, but again, it was that was all credited to the efficiency. Uh-huh. I mean, getting to bed a half an hour after you're done is... How do you fall asleep a half an hour after you finish 100? Most people don't will not fall asleep for hours because they're just kind of wired. But for me, I just, uh, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> and once I lay down, i just like, just go to sleep. And then, boom, I'd be like, the alarm would go off the next morning. Like, oh, here we go again. Um, but it wasn't that hard to fall asleep. It was, uh, it worked out really well getting all that. And that made me more fresh for the next day. So we've talked to, uh, you know, we've, we've read and heard a lot of your, your stories. We've talked to Scott Jaime when he did the FKT in Colorado. Is your, as you go along, because people have a hard time wrapping their mind around this, and I'm definitely one of them, do you just, your body just slowly adjusts to what you're putting it through? Does it take, you know, for you maybe four, five, six, seven, eight days, or did it adjust a little quicker because you were used to it, or how did that work? Uh, a lot of us on the AT, a lot of the thru-hikers will always say that you don't get your trail legs till about three weeks, which, you know, for Scott Jaime, <laughs> that didn't even happen. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's a little different on the Colorado Trail. You're going further miles, but each day, but... uh. For the AT, it takes two to three weeks to really get your trail legs. And, you know, I was I was fit to start, so it wasn't like I was, like, out of shape when I started. But at the same time, um, you become accustomed to going very slow. And, I mean, I never averaged, not one day did I average four miles an hour. So if you think wow. about that pace, it's pretty slow. And a lot of the, it was mostly 3.4 miles an hour. It wasn't even close to four. You have a few sections where you might do that, but the AT is... Much more brutal than um, a lot of these trails out west. I mean, stuff out west I call California single track, which is, you know, buff smooth, super <laughs> nice, uh, you know, where's the rock? Um, it's different on the AT. The AT is is super tough. It's very technical. So you'll never go f- more than four miles an hour. And it really is, I call, fast walk accelerated. So, you know, you jog a little when it's doable, which is flat or, you know, gradual downhill. Other than that, you're walking fast. So it's, it's really a different different than even the Colorado Trail because it's, it's 46 days, you know. Yeah. Eight days is, I mean, amazing how fast you can do the Colorado Trail. Don't get me wrong there, but it's really different because you have to think about your recovery more so than you do your speed. Was that So with someone like yourself that's had so much success in like 100-mile races, you know, winning races, fast times, even at, you know, 50s and other races, was that harder to get your mind wrapped around, hey, I'm did you ever focus on like I'm going too slow? I need to speed up, or I need I'm going too fast because you're used to going fast. Well, I never never really thought. A lot of times, especially early, we kind of had to. Like, especially, I will say day one because day one you're fresh, yeah. so you hike excited. up Katahdin, you're excited, you're feeling good. Um, and the hundred mile wilderness section of Maine is, it sounds like it's the hardest section, but it's really the, actually the easiest piece of Maine. It's not really that hilly. It's very technical, but it's not that hilly. So I I would constantly I would hold myself back. Um, I'd walk when it was flat sometimes just to, so I, I would, I did not want to average four miles an hour and I didn't, which was smart. Um, but a lot of times you don't really think about your speed. You sort of think about your effort. Um, so if you had, if you, I, I didn't wear a heart rate monitor, but if I did have a heart rate monitor on me, my heart rate was probably around a hundred, 105. So pretty low, really. Um, you never go past that comfort, that comfortable level. And that was something you just, you go section to section. You never do. You never think, well, in 10 days I'll be here. Or you, you talk about, it's like 100, aid station, aid station. That's how I treated this thing all the way through. And you just day in, day out, day in, day out, and it never ends. It feels like it's never going to end. And then you blink and you're in Springer Mountain. So it just, it, you know, like life or anything else, it goes by quick. Um, it's got to be taken one step at a time on something like this or 
you're you're going to bail out. You can't think about speed. It's just getting from point A to point B. Just know where you need to be yeah. next. Yeah, know? it's it's all about like okay, we're going to go to this this gap in tonight. And this is how far you have. This is you know when you want to get there. I would really think about the little well, the little game I was really playing out there was I was racing the three mile per hour guy. Gotcha. So think about you know twenty minute miles, three miles an hour. So. When I would, I had my watch on, and you know, it would it would hit me every mile. It would say sixteen fifty two or seventeen forty or whatever, and I would keep constantly being ahead of that three mile per hour guy, and eventually I'd be an hour ahead of him, and I could I could tell you exactly when I was going to be end the day. So really, it was about if I beat that three mile per hour guy, um, sixteen hours out there times three is forty eight miles a day, and that's pretty much what you need to average to have that record. So. When I was ahead of that guy, I was, you know, finishing under 16 hours. So 5 till 9 was 16 hours for me generally. And I was constantly done around 8, 7.30. So I was I was beating that, that, that slow guy. <laughs> You're and, still uh, winning that race. I was still winning that race, <laughs> yeah. And the Pony Express, I was racing the 5-mile-hour guy. So, or the 50-mile guy. So, yeah, it was kind of – you play these little games in your head just to keep the keep the time passing by. So with, with the trail, I mean, physically – obviously it's tough i mean it's 46 days i don't care mileage but just 46 days mm-hmm. on your feet the mental part of it has got to be it seems to me the most challenging right because you can get in these weird spots maybe or weather kicks in or terrain or all those things was the mental aspect harder for you or was it the physical part i think mental was harder i think mentally you you have highs and lows we all know we have highs and lows out there and the whole I th- whole idea for me, even on the last ten years of my career, is when you have a low point, you sort of laugh at it, like, "Oh, here we go." But generally, when you have a low point, you're you're not feeding yourself enough, or you're low, you're dehydrated, or it's not always how sore you are, how tired you are. It's more like you're just not eating. So I would constantly just I would just try to eat a little more and try to kind of bounce back. I mean, it doesn't always get worse out there, so you have to just remember that, uh, you know, it, it can get better. And I just take it one step at a time and deal with the mental part of it. I mean. I had some really down days where I slept on the trail for that 20 minutes. Yeah. The, I'm sure everyone saw that That's picture. the iconic photo right there. Yeah, yeah, that one. I didn't even know he took that photo. Um, <laughs> kind of looks Photoshopped in a way because it's yeah, just Yeah, well, random. it wasn't Photoshopped, I can assure you. Uh, I was laying there, um, but it was only 20 minutes that I was there. Uh, we slept on the trail the night, that night before, and I didn't sleep well. I was very tired. For some reason, I woke up like, I slept six hours. I just didn't, I tossed and turned a lot. I was really fatigued when I got up, and I couldn't couldn't start the engine you know like spark plug wasn't plugged in or something so i just couldn't go and uh yeah that was an iconic photo but that was one of the lowest points i had out there and i that whole day i struggled and when i finally got to the van after going 10 miles in five hours which felt like an eternity sounds like one of my races oh god (laughs) i i i tripped over my own feet and slammed myself to the ground when eric bells was right behind me and he he's like "I, i wanted to laugh but (laughs) <laughs> like you should have laughed, man. Maybe it would have perked me up. I don't know. But I got to the van and I slept for two more hours. And then I wandered away and didn't tell my crew. And and I was in a bad I was in a bad place that day. But you know, I I, I wasn't out of it. I wasn't uh, behind pace, so to speak. So I had to turn the switch on. The next morning, I sort of like again. I woke up the next morning after only doing 24 miles that day. And my wife and I left, and it was dark, and we started going, and we argued for five miles. Just about about nothing, but um, about me having the ability to do it and that kind of thing. And finally, when we got to that first stop that next day, I uh, she she stopped going with me, and I went off alone. And I sort of said to myself, Carl, you got to turn the switch. You can't just be Mister Ass all the time, Mister Mean. So I turned on, I turned off the mean switch, and I I turned it around. You know, I just and I got my miles that day, and. How do you do that sometimes? I don't know. I think I just, I wanted to succeed. I didn't want to fail, you know? I, I can't go into this three times in a row and fail. And uh, How far along were you at that point? Yeah, we were we were near Roanoke, Virginia, so we were 1,400 miles in, okay. somewhere in that ballpark. Um, so I was way down there, but it's still 800 miles to go, you know? I wasn't thinking about 800 to go. I was just thinking about the next day because it's just, it's still too far to even think about the end, but... Um, yeah, you have to sometimes when you have bad patches, you just have to say to yourself, "Hey, do you want this or not?" You know, and turn the switch. And I did. I turned the switch, and things sort of turned around. And then when I had a decent day that second, that next day, I, I was okay. And you know, the bottom line is too, which is kind of funny. We talked about sleep real quick there, because I only did 24 miles that earlier day. I went to bed at 7:30. Wow. And I was, I mean, I was in bed at 7:30. So, which meant I slept like eight and a half hours that night, or something. I slept a lot. I slept maybe nine. 
So I woke up fresh, and I was able to crank out 50, 50 plus that day. So things turned around pretty quickly when I turned that switch on and had that rest. So there was a lot of coverage during your during your attempt. You had Red Bull posting stuff and friends and family and people asking, did you ever, because I, I read some of the comments, you know, people, oh, go, tell them to go. Da, da, da. Did you ever get any of that information relayed to you at any point through the through the whole attempt, like people giving you that? I never I never looked at the comments. My phone was off for about two months, which is a beautiful thing. If you ever get a chance to do that, <laughs> do fire it up. <laughs> um, but that's, but I, I didn't, they didn't, weren't, they weren't, my crew wasn't reading that either. My crew, honestly, you don't have much cell reception out there, um, especially on the trail. You sure do, sure you do when you're in a, a town or something, but they weren't looking at that. They were focused on taking care of me. When they left an aid station they, or an aid stop, they went right to the next one. Um, so they weren't telling me any negative comments or positive comments for that matter. Uh, I knew people wanted me to succeed. I mean, there's yeah. always going to be the negative group out there that, you know, why isn't he listening to the birds chirp? But at the same time, uh, no, I, I didn't really see any of that. I just, I, I was focused on one goal, and that was to get to Springer Mountain faster than anyone else. And uh, now the, the the website, I mean, I, the uh, Kate, who was actually doing all that posting for me, I mean, she would she was there every day. She was on the film crew. And so she would like read what I was doing all day, sort of just off me. She did, they never made me sit down and do a report, That's um, good. which was which was my, which is a requirement of mine. Like don't make me stop and talk for ten ten minutes, which they didn't. But Kate was sort of reading what I was doing, and then she'd kind of report every day what was going on. So I just kind of stayed off the radar on my own and let the and let the Red Bull engine drive it you know yeah so was there any like when you're on the trail was there any like surprises whether it was from people like just randomly showing up because i mean it even though it wasn't like in the big logoed huge bus or anything mm-hmm. i mean people knew what you were doing kind of had an idea where you were did you have many people randomly just show up somewhere um there were a few people that found us but we were posting two days behind um i don't know if everybody knew that or not but the whole idea was to do that on purpose and that's not that i don't like people it's just the fact that it, this was one goal, and what happens when when if you post live all the time, um, people will show up, and 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 that's cool. And don't get me wrong, I like that. It's it, I like the inspirational part of it, but it kind of throws people off. It throw not just throws me off. It throws the crew off from getting stuff done. When that happened in two thousand eight, um, people would show up, and I sometimes left without filling my water bottles. Okay. But that's because they were talking and chatting and doing all this other things. So we kept it as stealth as possible. And I gotta, you got to thank Red Bull for, for going to my wishes on that one because it was important that we just stayed to our goal and my crew didn't get disrupted. And they didn't really, they really didn't get disrupted much. A few people found us, but and, we, and that was fine. I mean, most of the people that I did run with, which was very rare, um, were friends of mine that I already knew. Yeah. So they were, you know, yes, I, I gave them the login to see us live. And, you know, but that's, but they're my closer friends. So um, that was very helpful for me to just kind of keep it stealth. So this is a lot of learning process then over the years. I mean, that, that just seems genius, you know, but at the same time, almost obvious, right? Right. I mean, yeah, it's genius, but <laughs> it is kind of, I mean, if, if you really want to set a goal for yourself and you have your, your own set crew that you have dialed in, um, outside help, you know, I, I've said to you, yeah, another example of that would be in hundreds, like if you have a crew of six people, that's a problem because everyone's asking the questions. Everyone's saying, what do you need? Well, I, when my crew would say to me, this only happened, in fact, didn't happen much for my crew this year, but I don't want them to ask me, what do I want? What do you want for dinner, Carl? Food. Yeah. Feed me. And I have a few things I don't like, which is sour cream, mayonnaise. <laughs> but I'm like, don't feed me that, and we're good. And, and uh, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't ask me those questions. They would just stick to, I would ask them questions. If if I asked any at all, which was pretty rare too, but we kept it really simple. I mean, we kept saying less is more, less is more. Don't you know, stray away from the objective here. Let's just get them in, get them out, and then we can deal with stuff later. So the crew was fabulous about not confusing me when I would stop. I mean, it was funny because they'd wait around for hours, and then I'd come in and it'd be three minutes and I'm gone again. And it was this hurry up and wait thing, but and it's intense when I get there because I'm like, give me this, give me that, blah 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 blah. And then we're out. And after four or five days, my dad and Eric had it dialed in where it was super fast and efficient. I did, All I had to do was sit down for a second, lean forward. My bottles were replaced. My food was right in front of me. So it was really simple. We kept it very simplistic. And that was really the key to success. So now another interesting topic we talk about on some of the podcasts we've done is about the, the trail slash ultra running community, how it's 
little quirky in the fact that people will finish 100 miles side by side. They help each other out on the trail and when you're quote unquote competing. So I think some people that I read just having, you know, Scott Jurek kind of take you to the finish or something like that. For some people that takes them by surprise. They're like, well, why would somebody help him break the record? Break his own record. Yeah, right. that's what I mean. And yeah, with yeah. the year. So, I mean, how did how does something like that unfold? Because it's interesting to me as well. I mean, not saying you're both competitive guys, but, I mean, you're helping each other out. Right. You know, how did, how did that play out? Well, the old, I mean, Scott Scott and I have been good friends since 2001. We That's when we first met. Or 2002, I think, in Hong Kong. Uh, we raced on the same team. But I think, you know, Scott and I are both we're friends, and we like to help each other. And I helped Scott the year before. And in no way did I say, hey, man, you've got to help me. <laughs> um, not at all. He offered, and, of course, I was gladly accepted. And he said, when do you want me to help? And I said, the end would be killer because, you know, he's inspirational, even though he's a good friend of mine. Uh, just running with Scott, we kind of we chat about old times, um, and time passes by fast like that. I mean, Scott, you know, like he said when he broke the record, too, it's like, you know, someone's going to break that record. And I'll, I'll say it now, someone's going to break my record, too, eventually might be next year, you know, uh, and if, and if it was someone that I knew and they wanted my help, I'd help them. I think it's cool. I like doing it. You know, it's sure. I want to hold the record forever, but I know it's not going to happen. So why not help a friend try to get it and see a friend break it instead of someone you don't know? Yeah. I think, you know, we all help you do. We all help each other out there. And Scott was, Scott was pretty instrumental. He did what he did. He was there about eight, eight or nine days or something. And when he showed up, the energy in his eyes was just like powerful. You know, he's like, you know, he he knows the trail and he knew what it takes. He he had felt it before, and no one can understand what I was feeling like except Scott or Dave Horton or Jonathan Basham, who were there, who was there too, occasionally. He uh, those three guys know what it feels like to do this. Uh, my dad doesn't know, Eric Bell's didn't know, but they knew. So Scott knows exactly what I was feeling in terms of my fatigue and my mental my mental state and that kind of stuff. So. He knew what to say. He knew what to do. He knew what needed to be done. And his help through the Smokies was, like, incredible. He ran 20 miles, hiked my stuff in after that just to leave at a shelter. That was, an inter- that was a huge day. That, was a huge, that, that helped me break the record, basically, a lot. And, uh, you know, again, without his help, my crew, to my dad and Eric, that would not have happened probably in the Smokies. So, um, yeah, he, he was, I mean, he was awesome. And just, just shooting the shit with him on the trail. <laughs> for about about a lot of things and yeah, we don't need to discuss everything but uh <laughs> but you know it really about mostly old times and what's going on in the world of ultra running now too which is always you know it's grown so much and there's so many fast people out there and records that are being broken but scott and i you know we had a great time out there and uh he, he you know he helped me a lot and and again if he went after it next year i'd be the first person to offer help to him it'd be great well it's interesting you say that because we've talked about that it's like when people know what you're doing or have been through that whether it's a 50 mile race 100 mile race or, or whatever it is you, you usually see that i'm helping them out you know nutrition wise what to do in an aid mm-hmm. station i know the course real well you know it seems like since they've done that or they've gone through that they're more than happy to know what you're putting into it yeah to I mean, say, the pain in the mental state i mean the, the whole mental thing is like i mean for me, I was in a pretty positive state the last week. I knew I kind of had it as long as my body didn't break down. Scott, on the other hand, was death marching all the way from, like, Mount Musilak in New Hampshire, which is, like, 10 days out. And he was on his massive death march of super uh, sleep deprivation and all. And I wasn't really dealing with that. He was in another world. So, like, <laughs> totally was. So, like, when I when I helped him for a couple of weeks, but I, had, I wasn't there the last 10 days for him. And... But I knew what he was going through, and we kept warning him that the the whites and the and and Maine were just ridiculously hard. And he's like, oh, you know, what's it's it's just hard, but I can, but you know, I can handle it. But <laughs> but he wasn't really saying that. But you could see that he was a little nervous, but but he was okay with it. But then he got there, and he was like, whoa, hey, wait a minute. But I only I knew like that pain that he was feeling, like in, especially in his head. Um, and and he could relate that to me too. So it was it was a big help, you know, for to have him along. It's. You know, it's it's cool that ultra runners do this for each other, even during races too. Like, yeah. someone's really down low, like we pick them up sometimes. You know, um, I'm not the guy to cross the line hand to hand, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but even if it's Scott, but at the same time, uh, yeah, it's it's cool to have everybody help each other in the world of ultra running. Well, I think that's one thing, kind of off the off the cuff with you. I and mean, I've been at races. You've been you ran in and, and heard stories and just been participating or just being there. You do the same thing. You finish, you know, usually first in the first area. Try, but you wait. <laughs> You know, you hang out and congratulate the people that 
take the full 36 or the full 30 or whatever the hours is. And I, I think that's different, too, within this sport. Well, I think with back of the pack, is the, it's more inspirational. I mean, if someone's out there 36 hours as opposed to my 20, I mean, you know, I mean, um, amazing. And their war stories are they're probably even better than mine, you know, for <laughs> sure. I mean, it's funny because when you're on a trail like this, whether it's the AT or, or the Wasatch 100, it's a battle out there, you know, and we're sitting on the sidelines. You don't see the battle out there. But for me, it's like this mental battle. It was constantly a mental battle for 26, for 46 hours, or 46 days, yeah. sorry. Um, still got a mental battle. Yeah, I still, got a, I still can't <laughs> even speak straight. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's the, the, th- the thought process that we're out there, uh, people don't understand that. Uh, we're tr- stumbling over ourselves. We stumble and crash to the ground and slam on your hip, and you're just like, you get mad at yourself, and... And then we come into the aid station with a little smile. Hey, great. Give me a chocolate chip Put cookie. on the show. You jog into show. the aid station. Well, the whole idea is to make, make it look easy. That's yeah. always what I've said. When you come to an aid station, just make it look easy. And then it also wears on your crew where they, where they think positive all the time. So if you keep everybody positive, like my crew on the AT was positive all the time. So that was super helpful for me. It's, you know, make it look easy and it'll it'll feel easy later. So that's always my advice for those who are having a tough time out there is like, well, at least when you see friends, Make them think you're feeling good, because <laughs> well, then they'll feel good about you, you know. And that's it's interesting to hear that because we talked to Eric Johnson out of Ogden. He's done a lot of crazy stuff too, but his whole concept was smile and be grateful when you come into places because people don't need to know how bad you're hurting. I right. mean, it doesn't take much to figure out how you've run how far. You can't be feeling great, but when you have that, like you said, you jog in, you put the smile on, you talk good. Everybody else kind of feeds off you. Yeah. You, know, and you don't it, want to talk negative, you know, yeah. like the negative, the negative, when someone says, how's your shin doing or how does your knee hurt? I'm like, no, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. And I'll say, what are you talking about to look at your knee? I'm like, what knee? You know, I kind of use that. I'm just being sarcastic and funny, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, don't ask me what hurts. Yeah. I don't want to be reminded of what hurts. Or Believe think me, about it all it. hurts. Yeah. <laughs> or think about it. Even. Don't think about it. You know, um, I mean, there's a lot of times I'd think about my shin was killing me for a week on the AT and my dad or my or Eric, they never really asked, they knew my shin hurt, so they didn't really ask me, how's your shin doing? Well, of course it hurts. No shit. <laughs> um, but, you know, I didn't try to think about it as much as possible. I just kept trying to, like, push through the day and get through it. So that, again, that positive, positive thinking all the time is really, it's really the recipe for success for a lot of things, not even just running, for life itself. So was there any point, and I, I'm sure you've mentioned this too, because everybody, I think you've probably been asked every possible question, but I hope we have one later on that maybe haven't. Was there any part of the trail where you thought it was in, I won't say danger, but you kind of maybe second-guessed or rethought, man, am I going to get there? Do I need, you know, was there parts of the trail like that? Well, I mean, I never, so I was generally going off Jennifer Farr Davis's itinerary, which is, you know, because I had that in front of me, it, uh, it it easily told me where I was in terms of, like, record pace, so to speak. So I was using her itinerary as, quote, record pace. So I, the furthest I fell off that was nine miles, which is one section, you know, three hours max. Um, but I mean, when I first on day 19, the e- afternoon of day 19 is when my shin sort of kind of, sort of like the rubber band broke, you know, call it that. Um, that was like, oh man, here we go. Here comes the shin. This could be, this could be the end that tomorrow morning I might wake up and it's toasted. But, um, that was, that thought ran through my head, but I had at that time, I had a full 50 miles ahead of record pace of where Jen was. So, I had a little time to in the bank, which is something I never do in hundreds, but um, it was something that I had in the back of my mind. I had a little time to spare, a little mile to throw away. So I, I tried to stay positive and try to work through that injury, and they only fell eight miles behind her, which is essentially nothing because I knew I could throw down the big day at the end. And, uh, you know, I that was definitely negative thinking in there, but I still tried to stay positive every time I, I got to the van or even at an aid stop because I really wasn't behind pace. I just had to, like, keep my head in the game and keep going every day keep getting up at 415 every day and keep going and eventually like I said you blink and you get to the end so speaking of the end when you got close enough to see the end the quote-unquote rock finish line marker you know whatever it is what I mean was there anything that went through you at that time or were you just so exhausted you're like hey there's the end and then maybe in a couple days a week I'll soak it in well, it, it definitely didn't sink in right away. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I did 85 miles the last day, right? And I negative splitted the 85 miles, which is crazy. The train in Georgia is, is a little easier than most of the train on the AT, but um, I kind of charged all the way to the end and, 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 you know, slapped the rock at the end. And I was like, oh, thank God that's done. <laughs> it's, oh, it's finally over, you know, like, boom, I blinked. And, you know, there was, some, there was a camera there, some cameras there, and a light and all that kind of stuff because it was 3.38 in the morning, I think. 
And uh, I was certainly relieved. I mean, I just wanted to sit down. Um, but I was I was excited. I'm like, I, I freaking did it, man. I actually, I actually got here. You know, I actually made it. After all that, that misery out there, I actually made it. But when we finally did our little interview on the top and stuff like that stuff like that we had to walk back a mile to the van in the car <laughs> and it was okay you know I, I wasn't like i was like wasted sore and couldn't move i was just used to it so we got back to the van and ironically it started raining it hadn't rained on me forever and it rained after i was done i said mother nature's crying on me now no wow at's crying on me it hadn't rained forever and now, now it's raining but we just you know we went to bed um in the van we didn't want to, we wanted to go back to atlanta but it was like two hour drive. I'm like, let's just sleep for a couple hours, then go back. So I slept for a couple hours. Um, woke up about daylight, about seven o'clock, and I, I, I sat up. And my wife was still sleeping. I just got up and I sat there, and I'm like, well, what do I do now? <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not gonna go hiking, <laughs> but uh, I just didn't. It was kind of weird, you know. I didn't have to. I didn't have to run anymore. I didn't have to go anymore, and it felt good. I was excited to finally get going in the van and say goodbye to everyone and, and get to the hotel in Atlanta and just sleep um, so we ate and then we we finally got to atlanta and which seemed like forever because the garmin was taking us all over back roads <laughs> way to go garmin just hiked here <laughs> way to go gadget uh, where's my paper map um anyway we got to atlanta and you know i did we finally went i finally went to bed and I slept like a rock of course and i got up at five and then went out and had a nice dinner and stuff and it you know it's kind of funny it, it sort of sunk in but even now three weeks later is it really sunk in I don't know. My wife's having a party for me Sunday at a friend's house, and there's probably 30 or 35 of my good friends around here that are going to go. And she said, do you want to have a party? I'm like, eh, not, whatever. I don't care. You know, I, I don't mind it. It hasn't really sunk in. I mean, I've been doing interviews since I've stopped, so you'd think it would sink in with that. But it's just kind of like I'm kind of back to my everyday life and mowing my grass and keeping the court okay, in order. Keeping the court level <laughs> and things like that. So I'm kind of sort of back to normal routine. It's just, it's just I don't want to run, though. I mean, I was saying to New York Times just today, I went, I ran 50 yards yesterday while walking my dog, so it wasn't really a run, but my legs are lead. I mean, I'm just like, I'm not going any faster than four miles an hour, <laughs> and uh, it's pretty funny. So I'll run when I start feeling like I want to, but um, right so far, I really don't want to yet. And I think it might sink in after that a little, but, you know, I went out, and I su- I'm successful with what I did. I'm psyched with what I did, and now I can kind of sit back and relax, but I'm not done yet. I mean, I can't, can't retire yet. Yeah. You know, I have other plans. Well, that's, that's, yeah, we'll get to that maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I got a food, I'm not sure what those plans are, but I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to stop. It's not like I'm going to stop, you know, if I was a millionaire, I'd probably stop, but yeah. I'm no millionaire. So, um, I'll start, keep running and do what I do. start charging people to come watch these games. Maybe that'll happen. And we've got the wagers. <laughs> We're sitting on them right now. So, yeah. Sell tickets, swipe cards on the phone. You'd be set. That would be cool. All right, so we had um, a little thing where we posted on social media. We said, hey, we're, we're going to be talking to Carl. We know you've heard all the stories. What do you want to hear? So I know some of these questions might be things you've answered, but I'm really hoping we come across one that maybe someone hasn't asked you yet. So we're going to fire away at a few. We'll start with an easy one for you. How many, about how many Red Bulls do you think you went through on that trip? I was probably drinking a Red Bull just about every stop, um, which is about every three hours maybe, roughly. Um, so... Five times forty-six, two hundred, wow. roughly. And your heart, you're still good, huh? Eighty milligrams of caffeine in a Red Bull. It's not more than a cup of coffee. <laughs> so now it's, it's just. I mean, sometimes I didn't finish the whole can. Um, but but no, I, I like the flavor. I like the I like the jump from it. So, you know, it's not like anything else. It's uh, Red Bull is. It, I, I really like it a lot, and I think it gives me a little energy and concentration. So, yeah, it was about two hundred. Two hundred. But forty-six days. I mean, it's not like, you know, I didn't have ten a day. Ten would be a little much, maybe, but. And you didn't ever get tired of it, then, since you like it so no, much. No, I mean a bunch of new flavors too. So it's oh, like it's not right. the same thing. That's I mean, true. my flavor favorite was the green, the green orange, and the and the yellow are just amazing. All right, did you ever hear banjo music and get spooked when you're going through the trails? Only in Tennessee, <laughs> only the theme of deliverance, right? <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> right. So dum da da dum da 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 dum So yeah, I mean, did I ever hear any? I saw a guy walking with a banjo. Um, he wasn't playing, but he was walking with a banjo, and that was actually in Tennessee. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of funny. But um. But no, but it's, but it's funny that, you know, you, you do think about that movie Deliverance when you're walking in some of those areas because it seems like you're so far out there. Uh, but, but again, it's just a dirt road that's only six miles away from town, but you feel like you're out there. Um, yeah, I didn't, well, I saw a banjo. That's about <laughs> as close as I can get to that one. <laughs> and about how many pair of shoes did you go through? Went through 19 speed goats. Wow. Um, and, and, and again, 
uh, the reason we went through that many, um, they weren't all worn out like that after, you know, 19 would never be worn out. But having a new pair of shoes like every other day or a little bit more than that is kind of beneficial because the shoe is a little stiffer when it comes out of the box. So for me on the rocky terrain, it was great. Like in Pennsylvania, I had to put a new, sh new sh pair of shoes on my feet every day. And I would keep that pair for another day further where it was smoother. But where your shoes a little stiffer on that rocky train, it was very helpful. Um, Maine and New Hampshire are kind of the same thing. You go through a lot, but then on the smoother train, not as many. So, But 19 was the actual total. Okay. And I get when you're out on the trail, I guess it was uh, National Naked Day at some point. On well, Naked days. Day, I think, was in June. Oh, was it? So it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I missed Naked Day, which oh. is probably good. <laughs> Um, I saw some photos from Naked Day, but I guess on the AT they they do that, and uh, you know it's funny because I didn't know about that in 2008. I'm not sure if that existed, but um, yeah, I just can't imagine walking down the trail seeing naked people all the time. That would be pretty. I haven't been asked that question, so oh, there good. you go. Yes. But uh, that was Eric Furie said. Did you go on natural on National Naked Day? Yeah, so it looks well, like I we wasn't there on Naked that. Day, so it was a little before. <laughs> Thank God. So you talked about the, the interaction with your crew. Did things ever get like a little heated between the crew after, you know, a certain day or a certain length of time? Well, you know, that gets back to the negativity thing. I think, no, with, with my crew in general, my dad and Eric were really the two that were there. Mike Mason was there for nine days and he was always positive. Um, one of the goals that I even said to them before we even started was that we got to stay positive this whole time. We can't we can't get in an argument. And Eric and my dad were both anything that I would say some things that weren't so pleasant. I mean, no doubt about it, but they let it go right over their head and kind of laugh. And, and if it really, if I said a couple things all at once, Eric would walk away, which is good. Um, but we never really got in arguments about things. They kept everything buttoned up really tight and, uh, everything was neat and organized. And I'm kind of, I like to be neat and organized and 2014 things weren't very neat and organized. So it sort of made me upset, but, um, but these guys were, my dad and Eric were, were money. And Cheryl was fantastic when she was there. So they they stayed positive all the time, knowing that I could still get the record. So we never we never really argued. I mean, I did argue with my wife that one day when I said I was sleeping on the trail there. But that was really just me being a, a jerk. I mean, it wasn't really us arguing. It was, me, it was really Carl arguing, <laughs> not Cheryl. <laughs> she was trying to be like, no, no, you know, you're, you're good, you're good, you're good. But then I'd say one more thing, and then maybe she barked back a little. But <laughs> she was she was great. I mean, she she kept me in a positive mindset for sure. So were you familiar with Jurek's nutrition, what he did last year? And if you were, how was yours kind of different than his? Well, Scott's a vegan. So, yeah. and, you know, Scott's been vegan for a long time. But he, you know, he grew up eating hamburgers and hot dogs, like like a lot of people. So, and that's not what I ate all the time. But all, all I'm saying is that he knows what he wanted. Um, and when I was helping him, Jenny was his cook, so I didn't deal with any of his food. Uh, for me, I'm more of a traditional, good old American boy. So I'll eat whatever you throw it at me, other than that mayonnaise and sour cream, <laughs> and nuts in my ice cream, but uh, and vinegar. <laughs> other than those four things, um, I'll eat more or less anything. And I was eating a lot of. Uh, I was eating a fair amount of fat out there. I mean, and I ate a lot of, ate a lot of cinnamon buns. Um, cinnamon bun was a good thing. I ate a little bit of candy, just as a sugar buzz. Uh, but I mean, I ate all kinds of stuff. I mean, I Eric made me a ribeye probably six or seven times. Wow! So we had a grill, so we could make real. We could do whatever we wanted. Um, people would bring us the food. I ate pizza a fair amount of times. I love pizza, so I kind of ate regular stuff. But I really think in Ice cream. I ate a pint of ice cream in three minutes. That was pretty entertaining. Wow! And ran on after that like no big deal, which is you never do in a race, yeah. right? But in this thing, you, you can do, do it. Ever. It's like you went in me, and it was already burned, you know. <laughs> but I mean, I would eat for that. I think Dave Horton will always say it too: is like you need calories. Bring on the calories. So I probably consumed seven to ten thousand calories a day. Okay. Um, I was probably burning about that amount too. So I was kind of breaking even. So um, I, I would I would I would more or less eat whatever they fed me. Um, I never told them what I wanted. They would just put it in front of me. I didn't like everything they put in front of me. But you could kind of pick and choose. I kind of would it pick and they would look. give me a variety. They wouldn't give me three things. They give me ten. I'd take three and they'd eat the rest. You know, um, what was left over. So they were doing a great job mixing it up. Um, they ran out of options. Eventually, after after twenty or thirty days, I'm like, well, what are we buying now? But they, you know, Eric Eric said it too. He's like, it's kind of like when you're really hungry and you go to a grocery store and you want everything. So we would just do that and we'd put it down and Carl would just take see whatever what he wanted like and see would take it. Buffet so, style. Yeah, they'd buffet it every time. <laughs> It'd be a variety of steak and cheese grinder to a meatball sub to a pierogi to a pile of bacon I'd throw in a bag and bring with me. Anything. Yeah, I'd just bring it, you know, bring it on. What about uh, during those 
you know, where did you go during those mentally long hours in your head? I mean, where where would that take you? Right to the iPod. I went right yeah. to the iPod. I mean, I had I, I had five iPods loaded before I started. We ended up losing two of them, <laughs> um, and that kind of thing. But I, you know, I was just asked by the New York Times too, like, it, you know, what do you do when you get bored? I said. I said, I don't know if I really got bored out there, which sounds crazy, but I think with the music playing, the boredom would come when I would start clicking through my iPod. I don't want to listen to that one, don't want to listen to that one. I guess that was me getting bored. But I really wasn't bored out there. I mean, you'd think 15 hours a day for 46 days, you'd, you'd find boredom. But the trail, the trail doesn't really allow boredom. You've got to keep your eyes on the trail the whole time. It's just this green tunnel. You know, you don't have views really. In I mean, 99.9% of the time, you don't see anything but a green tunnel. And so you're fully focused. I was really focused on just not crashing. Um, so my mind was just on the trail. I mean, I I don't really think I got bored that much. And I just wanted to, I wanted to be successful, you know. So if you get bored, you start slowing down. You're not thinking about things. And I just kept my mind focused on the real objective was getting to Springer. So what uh, what lube do you use? Squirrel's nut butter. Do you? Yeah, that stuff was, uh, that stuff was great. And, and Chris Thornley... Uh, just before I started, he sent me a little message on Facebook. He said, hey, we'd love to send you some stuff. And I was like, yeah, but I don't have a lube sponsor. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, so he sent out a bunch to actually to my parents in New Hampshire because I was leaving like the next day. So he sent it out to them, and we had plenty of that. And, um, yeah, that stuff, stuff works great. It's a little bit smoother, a little bit, um, I guess, smoother than some of the other body glide stuff, uh, and, which I kind of liked a little bit better. I use coconut oil, which is a little bit different and more healthier for you. So, yeah, that stuff is fantastic. So, where do we order "Vote for Carl" or "Carl is a Rockstar" shirts? One of those. One of those. Where do we get those? Uh, I haven't made one of those <laughs> shirts yet. I've got some hundred miles is not that far shirts. Those will be coming for sale soon. Nice. So you can look. Like, those are good with the goat man on the back. Those are classics. Um, we'll probably be doing that. But Carl's a rock star. I haven't, I haven't come up with that one yet. I guess I'll have to get that one printed. I could see that one. It's like yeah. vote for Pedro. Because that was one of the other questions someone asked me is who you're going to vote for. Right. Well, who am I going to vote for? What's coming up? Is there a vote coming? Yeah, I think it's the Major League All-Star game next year, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that, Major that League presidential All-Star. thing. I don't know. Oh, I'm voting for uh, Speed Goat, I guess. I, no, I don't know. You I mean, get those shirts. I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah, I know the presidential vote's coming. I think it's obviously... Um, if I were to vote for one of the two, I'd probably vote for, I don't know, Hillary Clinton. But honestly, you know, honestly, folks, I don't really follow it. I think whoever the president is is going to be the president. And I usually have always said, like, the, the best president will be the best speaker. Yeah. I mean, Obama's a great speaker. Don't don't kid yourself, right, whether it's president or not. And who's the best speaker, Trump and Hillary? Who knows? I mean, I, I wouldn't vote for either one of them for best speaker. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a political follower, really. I just kind of roll with whatever they throw at us. <laughs> I mean, make my taxes higher. What am I going to do about it? Yeah. I, mean, I guess that's sort of a negative thing to say, but it's just my style. It's just, I just live the way I work to live. I don't live to work. I just roll with the punches as they come. All right. Now now we're going to get into a few other things. So you have the, your race, um, the Speed Goat. What's the future look like for that? So Spiegel's been going on for 10 years, um, and one of my friends uh, has said, well, 10 years, you know, you can close the book and call it good. And, you know, my eyebrows raised, like, hmm, that's an idea. But, no, I don't think that's the plan. Um, things have changed a little bit with the Forest Service, so um, nothing really changed last year. But this year I do have to have a meeting with them, and I have not had that meeting yet. I'm working on that. Entries online will probably go a little bit later. We do plan to have the race in the same course and all that, so, you know, you can put it on your radar for sure. But at the same time, uh, I don't know what's really going to pan out because with more Forest Service regulations and things like that, there is a possibility it may not happen, which which is sad, I think. I mean, I think um, I, I want to make it happen. It's definitely an iconic race around here. It's yeah, great. Sure. It's tough. Uh, we don't really want to change things, but, you know, times change and things happen. And uh, I thought about selling it, but I don't know if I really want to sell it. It's kind of my name on yeah. it, you know. If I sold it, I'd still be part of it. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't walk away like that. I think Snowbird definitely wants to have it. Of course, they're all completely on my side on this one. I just don't. What I don't want to see is changes to the course because the spirit of Speed Goat is as hard. It goes a little cross country. It goes through areas that aren't um, system trails, is what Forest Service calls it. Um, and I understand. I understand the whole process about keeping it clean and all that. But we've done a fantastic job of keeping the watershed clean, keeping the forest clean. Um, 
the trails that we use that are cross country, you don't even know they're there, you know, three weeks later. So we do a great job with that. So we expect to have the race. I mean, I wouldn't say we're not having it, but there's a very tiny, small percentage that it won't, won't happen. But um, just keep looking at my website, carmultra.com, or, or even just the Spiegel 50K page on Facebook, and uh, you'll find out soon enough. It'll happen within the next two months. We're going to know okay. what the outcome is. What about the future for you? You know, you just did this, and I know yeah. you're probably not thinking about taking your next 50-yard dash with your dog or anything, but what, what, what do you have on the radar, or what's still something you'd like to do? Uh, the one thing I would sort of like to have a chance at um, would be the over the 50 and older record at Western States. I think the time is 1843, but of course I've got to get in the race. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can pull strings on that one, and I understand if I can, I, I get it. Uh, so I'm gonna. I'll probably throw my name in the lottery this year. Just I mean, I'll be 49 this year, so I won't be 50. But if I'm 49 and run top 10, then I could get into when I'm 50. So I'd give myself a chance at that. Um, as far as other races go, Hard Rock. I've done it 11 times. I don't think I see myself running that again. Um, it might sound weird to some people, but I believe me. I've done it 11 times. Let someone else do it. It's it's cool. Uh, and I've won it. You know, the only person that's gonna win it five times now is Killian. <laughs> if he goes back again, but. You know, I don't have major races on my radar. I just kind of want to keep running. I am going to run some stuff for sure. But uh, what those are right now, I, I've got, I don't know. Um, it's just, you know, when you're asking me at a time three weeks after doing something that's been massive. And that was really my stamp on my career. I mean, I've done a lot of things. And being successful at the AT was like the big dream of mine, really. Uh, so now that I've kind of fulfilled that dream, there's no FKT bigger than the AT. Uh, some may beg to differ about some things, but I can assure you if you go try it that uh, <laughs> it's not much bigger than that. <laughs> even in Europe, even the PCT, I don't see myself doing the PCT. It's much different than the AT. It's hard to, uh, it's much a little harder to follow. The crew access is different. The AT, you don't carry a map. You can see the white blazes all the way, so it's sort of easy to, to do that kind of crewing thing. Plus, the AT is a lot harder than the PCT, uh, vertical-wise and technicality-wise. So that's really the big daddy of mine that I completed, and that's really my stamp. That now, but now it's just like I'm going to sit back and just kind of relax and go through the winter, and I'll find something to do. And who knows? I do have one idea with Red Bull that we're not going to discuss here. Um, <laughs> that might pop up, but it's definitely unique and different. Um, but they liked the idea. I brought it up last year, so it wasn't something I thought of just now. But uh, And if I do that, um, everyone will be assured they'll be able to watch it. But uh, nice. we'll see. And, and you're a coach, so you do coaching as well online. Um, I will resume coaching for sure. I mean, yeah. I'm sort of just getting – it's been kind of funny. It's been taking me a little longer to get back on that um, on that wheelhouse, so to speak, because, I mean, I've done 50 interviews over the last three weeks, and it's been kind of mind-boggling to actually sit in front of the screen and, and start getting back at that. I mean, I don't have as many clients as I did before, which is fine. Um, but at the same time, uh, we'll, we'll get it going again. For those out there interested, just email me, speedgoatcarl at gmail. Uh, it's easy, but uh, I'm definitely going to keep doing that. I don't see that stopping. So you have um, openings I, if someone was looking for a coach, you have some sure. spots available and everything. Yeah, for sure. And you know, and again, I mean, I'm I'm actually not that busy now, so it's it's really a good time to put together some kind of winter plan for next year. And uh, yeah, that's not going to stop. I mean, that's that's it's a great it's a great way to help pe- inspire people and get people to uh, learn how to run races a little bit better and a little bit smarter too. It's not always about the training. There's a lot of strategic things you can learn from someone who's done it a lot. Um, that would be me. I've done too many. <laughs> so so if you need help on that regard, even if it's just a phone call for an hour, I mean, those types of things can help. For some, for some people, that's all you really need, you know. Yeah. Um, it doesn't hurt to even suggest that idea. So um, contact me if you want. You know, I'm, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. And then one of the things, um, you know, you talked about a little bit ago is you, you did some ultrogen for recovery, mm-hmm. and that's something that I've taken for years um, from First Endurance. Yeah. We're actually going to do a contest. Okay, so you've got your Speed Goat socks, you got your Speed Goat shoes, Speed Goat belt, Speed Goat race. Mm-hmm. So the contest we're going to have... Speed Goat coffee. Coffee, oh yeah, for sure. Don't forget that. Uh, yeah, and so you can still get that too. So we're going to have a contest for some free ultrogen, right? Uh, Robert Coons at First Endurance has happily put up some for a contest we're going to run. We're going to have people weigh in on what you should endorse next. Like the next cool product, you have Red Bull, you have that, but we need something named after you. So we're going to have people chime in, maybe it's a bathing suit. You know, maybe it's speedo. Some, yeah, speed goat speedo. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. And Actually, that's not bad. Yeah, huh? right. It kind of right. spits off the tongue. So we're gonna have a contest, everybody, for some first endurance ultrogen um, with this. And the next one we're gonna talk about. Um, you're definitely involved with. We're teaming up with Ultra Spire as well. Mm-hmm. So they've got 
the ultimate speed goat package. Mm -hmm. So they've got the speed goat belt that you've signed, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Have some socks. They have some Red Bull. We're going to chuck in a Trail Manners hat. So you have to go to the website um, for the podcast to get more information on that. But we're going to run a few contests off this, um, you know, to help people get into some of the speed. I use the Ultra Spire speed goat belt. Mm -hmm. I've nice. never, ever, ever liked belts. I hated stuff around my waist. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things. If you don't like belts, you know, it, it's, it's worth a try because the, the way that we have flatter bottles on those too, which help... With the bouncing. I mean, sometimes with, with belts, people don't like because they bounce. But these bottles actually really conform. The way they're angled, the way they conform, it's really a simple belt. It's not going to carry enough for 10, 10 hours. Well, but, you know. That's a belt because I've never used yeah. them. I've never liked them until I got that one. Yeah, nice. And I love that belt for yeah. exactly what you'd explain. There's no bounce. Those yeah. bottles fit perfect. You got the bungee. You got some storage there. It's yeah. just perfect. It yeah. really is. Yeah, and it's I, simple, you know, and that's kind of me. I'm sort of simple with a lot of things I do. So that was the whole idea behind it. Yeah, so we're gonna be we're gonna be giving some of that away. And then last we want before we go, give us some advice to maybe some new I mean you've been doing this for as long as you have, you've seen some changes, you've seen the growth of the sport. What kind of advice would you have for people either just getting into trail running or maybe taking it to that next level? Well, I think, you know, it's it's easy after the first two or three weeks to get excited and do too much. The whole, whole thing about when you first, very, very first start doing something like this is that you'll see with a lot of rookies that you'll have, you'll go for a month and two months, even three months to feel great, and then you'll come in with a small, minor injury, and it can set you back and discourage you. The whole thing really is to kind of start slowly and respect the fact that you start a little bit slowly. Um, and then, you know, as far as getting into ultras, you just, it, you know, it's probably recommended to, I wouldn't necessarily recommend what I did was jump in a hundred mile or the first time. And I, and I suffered, believe me, so it's better off to do a shorter races at first and then just kind of work your way up. Consistency is always going to be your friend. Um, instead of doing 20 mile or Saturday and a little bit something on Sunday and nothing all week, you're better off doing three miles a day. So kind of think of the consistency factor. And then always, again, listen to your body. When you're really tired and your buddy says, I want to go do 10 miles and you're hammered, you're better off staying home and resting. Resting is really important. Resting and recovery is just as important as your training. So if you rest and recover and you train well and then rest and recover all the time, you're going to be more successful. And your body was, your body sort of regrows on your resting and recovery days. So that's something to always think about, too, instead of just the training. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I mean, I walked up and I could hear you doing your interview, and I know you've done a bazillion of them. We've tried to get you on the list. But thanks for taking the time to do that because I know it's probably after a while you're just done, right? I mean, you're done with the questions. Yeah, I'm not done yet. Uh, but no, it's great to come on Trail Manners. I mean, we've been here before, and it's, you guys do a great job with it. So it's it's really, it's an honor for you to come down to check out the croquet course. Oh, that's nice. Uh, and uh, just do another podcast. It's cool to give off some information to everybody out there. Yeah, well, we'll definitely, uh, you know, at the end of this, we're going to have links to his coaching services. We're going to have links to, you know, some of the products that he has because, again, they're, they're fantastic stuff. Um, and if you need a coach, definitely hit him up. Maybe pick his brain a little bit to see if it's the right fit for you. But as far as experience goes, it's going to be pretty tough to find someone who's not familiar with pretty much every course out there. Um, but, yeah, uh, we'll have a lot of links on there. Thanks again for taking the time. I know you got some some stuff to do out here. The sun's coming up. It's a perfect time to start working in your yard. Yep. Remember <laughs> that 2,189 miles is not that far. Yeah, that's the new shirt. <laughs> that's the new line instead of 100 miles. <laughs> All right. Well, Carl, thanks again uh, for coming on, and uh, best of luck in the future. And hopefully we'll talk to you again when this new crazy whatever you're doing with Red Bull comes out. Yeah, it's, it's a cool idea. You'll see. All right. Thanks, Carl. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Trail Manners Podcast. We'd like to thank Mr. Speedgo Carl Meltzer for taking the time to join us and showing us around his croquet grounds. We also want to remind you of two contests we have going for this show. Number one, okay, contest number one is sponsored by First Endurance. We're giving away some Ultragen there from First Endurance. Here's a, here we go. On our, on our website, you got to leave a comment on this podcast, episode 56, on the website, trailmanners.com of the next product Carl should endorse. Okay, so we've got the Speed Goat belt, we've got Speed Goat coffee, we got Speed Goat shoes, we got Speed Goat socks, we got Speed Goat, what's next? It's up to you. Most original, some good ones, they're gonna win. All right, so we'll do that. And our next contest, in honor of Carl Meltzer, setting the Appalachian Trail speed run record, 45 days, 22 hours, 38 minutes, we're giving away the ultimate Carl Meltzer prize package with autographed apparel. This is sponsored by Ultra Spire. So what, what do you get? You get a signature belt by Speed Goat, Mr. Meltzer. So the Speed Goat belt, some Dry Max socks, some Red Bull, autographed Speed Goat shirt from Carl Meltzer, and we're going to throw in a Trail Manners hat. So this is being put on by Ultra Spire. What you need to do, there's three ways to enter. 
You can complete all three for multiple entries. You need to head on over to Ultraspire's Facebook page. You got to like it. You got to share it. And in the comments section for an extra entry, tag those who've inspired you along your running journey. Okay? Ultraspire is going to do the drawing on Friday, October 28th, and we'll also post it on our website. Again, over to Ultraspire. Check it out. We'll have links to our show notes. Check out Carl's signature belt. There's going to be a link there. Those are the two contests. You don't want to miss out. Great prizes, great sponsors. Uh, we also want to encourage you to follow us on Trail Manners at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can swing by our website. We still have some beanies, some hoodies. We still got some gear that you can pick up. Let's get in that weather, folks. You need a beanie. You need a sweatshirt. Okay. Also, on the contact page, let us know what you want to see, who you want to hear, or if you would like to be on our show. So until next time, this is Eric Manning. Thank you, Carl Meltzer, for joining us. We just want to remind you, you don't get what you wish for, you get what you work for. Now go get it.